This episode of Cross Politics is brought to you by. This episode is. Uh, Gabe, I don't think we have anybody for this episode. You know, if you listen to Cross Politics and you want to advertise on our show, you should get this spot. You 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 can get it at crosspolitic.com. What's what? Huh? What, Gabe? Email us. Where? What email address? You didn't write it on the paper. I don't know if it's not on the paper, just like the person whose spot is supposed to be. I don't know who I'm... Contact at CrossPolitik.com. Oh, now you want to pick up the mic. What, what is it again? Contact at CrossPolitik.com. Yeah, what, what he said. Contact at CrossPolitik.com. Oh, now you're going to gang up on me. What you want to say, Pastor? CrossPolitik begins in three, two, one. Stop a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is king of kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. I didn't start it. But sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. Right? When the Spirit comes upon people, they go to war, they go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Waterboy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox. Hello, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic. Happy Easter. He is risen indeed. Amen. He is risen. Yes. And so has our studio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you, you guys. Uh, I wasn't ready for that one. They're going uh. to hear this on the podcast. They're going to see it. No. But no. they'll see it the following week. But y'all, y'all, I yes. mean, just, just imagine for a moment. Imagine. We are sitting at a brand new table. Steel. It's a metal. Can you a hear metal that? Metal table. It's, it's metal. Nice. The guys at Mondays in town, the little welding shop, man, made this for us. It's Super cool. Big slab of metal. It's like, like a three hundred pound table. It's it's yeah. it's it's great. It's but and and you guys have been like slaving around here. Um, particularly we, particularly can, David. Can particularly we not David. Use that word? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that to use that Come word. On. <laughs> You know, maybe working. We've been working hard. hard. I can't say anything, can I? Always dredging up bad memories. If if you're going to say it, triggered. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to say it, wear a little pin so I know this is a safe space. Oh, my gracious. Oh, my gracious. It looks great in here, you guys. It does. does. I mean, thanks, Toby. uh, You guys have been working hard. In oh, here, yes, and it looks it looks really good. The, the yeah. studio is is amazing, and this is thanks to yes. our, our listeners. Wow, um, yeah. you guys uh, have come out big. I feel like you know, I didn't. If I didn't know any better, if I didn't understand that God is blessing us, I would think that somehow President Trump enacted reparations, uh, and, uh, and we just the way God is blessing everything us. Everything always like comes that. back to slavery, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? For, for you, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, it feels pretty good. Yeah. Thank you guys. Oh uh, man, no, but seriously, I mean, you, no. our listeners have been um, so generous, so kind, abundantly generous. It is, it, you know, um, and we want to give a special shout out to Austin Anderson, yeah, wow. uh, one of our listeners. He donated, uh, he donated friend. a bunch of construction material for um, our studio. Bunch of the the walls up here. We got yeah, the. You amazing. already mentioned Monday with the the table. We got a listener from Houston, Texas. Yes, um, had to be from Texas. Uh, hey. Hey, my boys are strong there. You know, you know what I'm what? saying? The force is strong with them um, boys. Down yeah, there. you guys are gonna start liking Texas they, after this. They found they found our Amazon wish list. Yes, and they found did. some things on their heart. On their heart, <laughs> I told you some Man. people. Put, Lord put some things on your heart, and maybe the Lord's put still putting some things on people's on, hearts right now. And do it, Jesus. <laughs> there are still right some things on that Amazon wish list that would be so helpful It'd be really for helpful. us. Yep. It's, how do you find it? Cross politic wish list on Amazon. Just, I think I think that's how you find it. If not, I'll I'll email it out. And you can you email yeah, um, yeah. cross politic at gmail dot com if you want to we'll find hook it. you up. Yeah, there's still some things there, but I mean, huge thank you. Yeah, um, it is. Um, it's wonderful, and and like we've been able to clear out the studio now, and we actually have like room to walk. That's yep. amazing. I yep. mean, I mean, it it was a little bit. Kind of dangerous in here. I mean, probably a fire hazard for a while, but we can actually walk around now. Um, there's yeah. a little bit of room. We have a special little table for ca- for coffee. We actually have a coffee table. A coffee table. I can't believe a it. coffee no table. I just want y'all know that's my table. It's my table. Um, Don't y'all yeah. touch the table. Although I made the coffee today, I'm yeah, just pointing out. Yeah. Just pointing so out. so yeah. just yeah to wrap that up. Um, thank you for um go to, go check out our Amazon wish list, but also don't forget our club membership. Membership. This, this is a, a long term way to really help us say, be sustainable long term. 
our first show with NRB is going to drop April 13th. That's right. Hey, and NRB so TV. all this stuff, um, NRB TV, we're going to be on a primetime spot on NRB. Um, it's yeah. in 45 million households. And so we're, we're excited about the opportunity. We don't, we, it's a big unknown for us, but really excited about it. So check yeah. that out. Two more things that we want to plug. Is there anything you want to say before? No, we I, just, I just, I just want to say on. thank you for the club members who've yeah. already been given before now. Right. Who have consistently just been giving Some since of we started, you have so. been giving since the beginning. Yeah, we're literally. Be- before we were anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know I, one of our I, boys I, was in, is in the uh, Prague, uh, oh the Czech gracious. Republic. He's been given since the beginning, I, practically. I met, I, I met a, a woman just last week who said, I've been given since the beginning. Wow. And, I, and I'm like, I mean, wow. part of me wants to say, what is wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, I know, <laughs> but, right? But I, I'm I, so yeah. thankful. Thank and, you so much. Um, God is good. But yeah, you go. Go there. Go to crosspolitik.com. Yep. Hit join. Every little bit helps. Yep. Um, it's adding up and God's blessing. Yeah. So thank you. So two other things that we want to plug is we got our Grace Agenda, our local church conference for national. It's a national conference. Right. But it's here April 13th and 14th also. Right. Enraging the culture. Enraging the culture. Toby's going to be at, speaking said, at that. He said it wrong. Enraging the culture. Enraging. This was engaging. To- Toby's going to be there. The Pastor Wilson's going to be there. We got Joe Boot yep. coming to that conference. Um, just a great lineup. And seriously, this is how the church needs to be thinking about the next 10 years yeah, or, or, or beyond. You know? Here we go. Buckle up. Lastly, Toby. I'm going to be speaking um, this coming week, April 6th, 7th, and 8th wow. at, at Cornerstone Reformed Church in Carbondale, Illinois. Illinois. I don't know where Carbondale, Illinois is, but you know, there's a thing called Google Maps, and you can find it. And if you're within, I don't know, a few hours. Yeah. You know, I think come. Chicago's only it's, an hour, two um, hours away. It's. I'm pretty sure it's free. It's it looks like it's free. If it's I, not, you're paying for it. Right? It's it's free. What's okay. the title of the conference? Um, and uh, the chi- the title of the conference is Child Kingdom: A Childish Theology for Toppling Empires. Amen. Oh wow! Uh, sample sample. So here we go. Um, sample. Well, Jesus says, unless you are converted and become like a little child, you cannot you not enter the kingdom. There you go. You can't and you can't topple. You're not ready yet, are you? You there can't you topple. It, it says in Psalm Psalm eight that God is using the praises of infants to do what? Oh man! Silence the enemy and the yeah. avenger. Well now, and when it in Psalm two it says the nations rage. Well, the rulers of the earth plot together to do what? What are they doing? To uh, to, to 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 kill to take down his anointed. God in heaven laughs and says, <laughs> um, "Yet you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give the, the nations. The nations is your inheritance." And he will rule them with a rod of iron. So kiss the sun, lest he be angry, lest he be angry and you perish in his way. So uh, Psalm 2, Psalm 8, um, a bunch of other um, texts, Revelation 12. I'm picking up a sort of a broad theology of um, God's doing something with this, with this theme of um, childish power. I see you. Okay, you got it. You just didn't want to give it out too much. I see what you did. There. You see what I'm doing there? <laughs> okay. um, but there's something about childish that, power. that God is using to topple empires foolish things right yeah. that's really good the weak things of this world yeah. to overcome the strong things so that's next mm. this, this this coming week april 6th and 7th and then actually the 8th is a sunday i'll be preaching at cornerstone reform church that's great check it out cornerstone reform church i think it's cornerstone crec.org uh, there's a little bit oh, there wow. and they call those conferences right yeah like, so when i was growing up we used to call them revivals yeah ah, you know like we're yeah. going to the revival yeah. this weekend it's like but yeah. now it's all conference it's all conference. formal and business like but yeah. you know you know shock <laughs> you know when i do a conference it's a revival. <laughs> Come on, I, 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 get, I get to preaching. I mean, Come on now. They don't, they don't usually play the organ for me like you <laughs> they do. Don't, they don't. No. But, you know, hey, I, if I come to a conference with you, put me on the organ. I, I only know how to preach. <laughs> That's all I know how Amen. to do. Come on. So, you know, and last, they don't play the organ, but they start smiling. Yeah. <laughs> Every Man. once in a while, somebody yeah. starts tapping their foot just a little bit. Yeah. You're like, oh, I got it. I'm like, I see that. It's a little eyebrow twitch. They're like, oh, oh. Hey, gotta, so if you got a black yeah. church out there, uh, if my pastor. To Toby to come on out so he can hear what it's like to hear a whole bunch of people say amen and yeah. scream at him while he preaches. I, I he actually, needs that. I actually like it. I do. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not. You preach like you like it too. I do. I do. <laughs> actually, the last thing, Gabe, is um, yep. on Monday, we're doing a cross politic live yes. with the lieutenant governors, the Republican lieutenant governors that are running for lieutenant governor. Candidating uh, for the Republican Party. For the Republican yep. Party yep. Uh, uh-huh. of Idaho. Uh, three of them. That's mm-hmm. Monday night. Monday night, seven thirty p.m. at the New Art uh, Theater here in downtown Moscow. Right, so it's April second, and 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 these these are, these kind of live events are really important because it's uh, it's it's our way of engaging with culture, politics, yeah. and, and and community and, and community with our realm of, of influence. And, right? and we want to we want to we'd love to see other states do these and things. We've had the governors on September. 
And now we're having lieutenant, lieutenant governors governors. on. It's it's and, been a crazy and year. First of all, we got to figure out what is a lieutenant governor. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, come yeah. on. And um, and we're are we gonna are we gonna live stream this? It yes, we are. So, we're this, so we're doing Facebook Live. Yes, Monday night, Monday night, seven thirty Pacific 2nd, Standard Time. Seven thirty Pacific Standard Time. Tune in. Tune in. Share. Like. All yep. the rest of it. All right. Okay. Uh, let's uh, get to some cross politic news. Yeah. So can, I was trying a, to run all this out so we didn't have to do any news. Yeah. So first, <laughs> first, you guys know about uh, the Second Amendment, you know, movement with the kids walking out of the public schools. Um, didn't in protest, about it. Didn't about that no. it all started from the Parkland shooting. Of right. course, this has been right. building up. This walk is, for our lives, or something like walk, that. Walk, um, uh, yeah, walk for our lives. That's right. I think it was um, something like that. And of course, if if we're paying attention, this there's some tension yeah, building up over dec- uh, a decade of gun violence in public schools, right. and that's what we're seeing. I mean, we're seeing it build up more and more. And but there's a number of uh, high school students in California. That are creating a movement to walk out of public schools in in response to pro life abortion movement. March of our lives. It, oh, that was what it's called. March of our so, lives. So well, that was March for our lives. That was for the gun violence thing. Right. But and we this got this one is called. But we got this a, one's called pro life walkout. Pro life walkout. I, that's really simple. Pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> it's pro life yeah, walkout. Yeah. But and they and they should just keep walking. Right. <laughs> don't, don't, don't turn around. Don't go back to the public so, schools. So it's going to happen on Wednesday, April 11th at 10 a.m. Okay. And there's actually a website people can go to called prolifewalkout.org. Okay. Um, so first of all, yeah. what are you doing still in public school? Yeah, I that's... I mean, first of all. But, okay, if you're there, you better be there. You better walk out. You better do the walk. You better walk out. I mean, yeah. you, 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 gotta, you, you, need, you need to be doing this kind of thing. Mm. I mean, you know, basically, of course, um, like the teacher that we talked about a couple weeks ago, whenever that was, who, uh, who brought you, who mentioned, she just mentioned... The pro-life idea. Right. She that's got right. suspended. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that was in California. Yeah, that was in California, um, Sacramento and, area. You know, so you know, you better do this, but you you better know that by doing this, you are going to get in trouble. Yeah. yeah. What does this do? But like, uh, what is is it just to bring awareness? The, yes, but I, and I but I think this is one of the ways that you you put a sign out front. Mm. Now, I mean, I think and again, this, now see, I'm with you there. Yeah, okay. But I think okay. but I think Gabe needs. I think Gabe's right. I think really what you need to do is you need to keep on walking. Right. Right. You need to walk out on that day. And, and that'd be the on, last day you're in public school. You need to keep walking again. out. And, but, you know, all right. I don't know. Maybe there's some oddball situations out there, whatever. But you got to at least do this. Mm. Yeah. You got to at least stand up here and you got to, you got to, you need to own this and say, because this is way more important. And, and here's, here's kind of a thought related to this. Like during the, the March for Life, um, they were using public school buses. They're using public school yep. resources. Right, you right. mean March they, for Our Lives? March for Our Lives, not Correct. March for Life. That's a Thank different you. thing. Notice me, how they did that. That was Knox. very clever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was really yeah. smart. Yeah, that was because if you didn't know any better, you would think both of these are pro life right. things, right? Yep. If yeah. you didn't know any better, you're like, yeah. oh, March for Our Lives. But yeah. you're right. Yeah. The public schools got all behind it. Yep, and all these resources. Was, I remember them busing them to Bo- our capital down in Boise, Idaho. Yeah, when the students walked out, right. they were bussed. There by public school. So are they going to so do that with Make this a one? stink and, and demand that. Right. Where's our school buses? Yeah, where's our school buses? We want to be bused to the Sacramento capital in California. Right, because right. here's the thing. Of course, the public schools run under the sham that they are not religious. That they're neutral. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep. And it's a sham. It is. Yep. Yep. It's an absolute sham. You hear the, the line, separation of church and state, separation of church and state. But you can't separate um, religious values um, from the state. You can't. The, the the public schools stand for religious values. They're just anti-Christian values. Right. You know, maybe this is a good time, too, for Christians to say, you know, since we're marching out, let's just stay gone. Yes. Like, you know, so if you've been thinking about it and you're waiting for the opportunity, it's kind of like when you got to go to the bathroom in the classroom and you wait for somebody else to raise their hand so that you don't be the first one to yeah. break all the... You're like, oh, can I go, too, because I really had to go... And now is a good time to say, you know, the momentum's going this way. Let's just do it. Let's and make it out. more than a bowel let's movement. Just, yeah. <laughs> Mm. I was running with your we're sorry. With your analogy. We're sorry. Mm. It was David. Um, so happy right. we're not on we're TV sorry. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I mean, the, the the reason why they can throw their weight behind the march for our lives is because, again, that's their moral system. Yeah, but you know, they, if, they believe in the state. They believe yeah. in the religion of the state. The state needs to take the guns. The state needs to save us. The state needs to help us. And the catechizing schools that, are right there, right behind along it. With but it. you say yeah. I want to stand up for the lives of the unborn. For yeah. the for against the slaughter of the innocents, and I'm gonna bet you and watch them start handing out detentions. I, I'm gonna bet you detentions. a whole well, bunch that they will. Not only will they not support it, 
But you're right, they're going to punish it. Well, yeah. and, and let's do it like this, too. Let's just one-up the March for Our Lives and say, we're not coming back unless. Yeah. Right? We're yeah. not coming back. Put, in, put some demands let's, on let's, it. Let's, let's yeah, just yeah, one-up yeah. them. If, right. you, if you have to go back. That's good. <sighs> and if you're a teacher, okay, if you're but, a teacher in the public schools, if you're an administrator in the public schools, you walk out with those if kids. you do not walk out for this, yep. you, you, I mean, I, I'm seriously, you, you are denying Jesus. Where's your Ooh. backbone? I mean, like, like, I mean, I mean, unless you're like you broke your leg, right? <laughs> you know, right. I mean, absolutely, because right. you know, teachers and administrators did this this walkout for the gun yep. thing. Yeah, they did, right? Yep. And if yep. you can't, two weeks later, five weeks later, whatever, walk out for the the slaughter of the unborn, um, you're a coward. So, are you comparing that to like the Good Samaritan issue? If you it's, keep it, walking past, yeah. This Abs- person lying absolutely. on the side of the road, you're denying, ultimately right. denying Jesus. And I'm saying, and Jesus says, you know, that, that we are not, we must not deny him before men. Right. If we right. deny him before men, Jesus says, I will deny you before my father. Right. Um, this, you know, these are, pla- these are places where you say, no, this is, you know, if you yeah. won't stand up for the sl- m- slaughter of millions of babies. Yeah. Right. But, but you, right. but you walk out and you sort of fine with, you know, yeah, I'm concerned about gun violence. Right. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Just leave that hanging right there. No, <laughs> that was heavy. I, I think I think it needs yeah. to be left like that because yeah. that's real. Yeah. When we come back on Cross Politic, David Goodwin, president of the ACCS Association, right? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yes. My tongue's a little twisted today. Association of Classical Christian Schools. Is yeah, that what so, you said? <laughs> no. <laughs> but that guy, David Goodwin, is going to be next on Cross Politic when we come back. Yeah, I tried to say that. But it's not coming out right I, didn't actually, I wasn't listening to what you were saying at all. And just, I just, I just, just say amen. amen. You, you got it right. You just put association. Classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical, Christ-centered curriculum, local, like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and we train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit our website at classicalconversations.com. Classical. Christian. Get connected. Get community. I'm a 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize, I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're ready to stand up for the truth. I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I'm a real estate broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of, of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working in the political realm. I am a pastor in the Central Coast, California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of Christ. For more information, visit us online at nsa.edu. Welcome back to Cross Politic. It's uh, it's good to be here with a uh, special guest with us, actually, uh, Mr. David Goodwin. Yes, is uh, on the uh, on the line with us. I like him already. You, you, yeah, you would. You David. would. You like you like that about name? The name, David. You like that name? Now uh, he's the president of the ACCS, which is the Association of uh, Classical and Christian Schools. Um, Mr. Goodwin um, was the headmaster of Ambrose School in Boise, Idaho from 2003 to 2014. He served on the ACACS board from 2010 to 2014, and he's been the full-time president since 2015. He spent 13 years in marketing and new business development. He holds an MBA and and a BIS from Boise State University. He and his wife, Stormy, work as a team on many ACCS projects. They attend All Saints Presbyterian Church in Boise, Idaho, and they've got three kids who attend the Ambrose School. Uh, David, it's really good to have you on Cross Politic. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be with you. So uh, you're the president of the Association of Classical Christian Schools. Um, first of all, uh, for our listeners, um, just describe um, for us what is the ACCS? The ACCS was founded in the early 90s. Um, 
after Doug Wilson wrote the book, uh, Recovering Lost Tools of Learning. And um, we grew to, uh, today we have about 300 member schools. Uh, there's schools all across the U.S., about 50,000 students in those schools. So we um, represent a very different form of education. We kind of, uh, the ACCS itself provides accreditation and many other services to schools that sort of parallel to what you would get in other uh, types of schools, other systems of schools, but it's very unique to the type of school that we do, which is classical and Christian. So what um, for our listeners, again, describe what's what are some of the distinctive things about the classical and Christian uh, school movement? Well, it's it's very distinct, distinctive uh, because it uh, predates the progressive model of school that is presently uh, dominant out there. So pretty much if you went to any public school, charter school, a lot of Christian schools, um, they all were built around a model that was um, created by the progressives in the early part of the 20th century. Uh, John Dewey is probably the most well-known of the progressive educators. Right. Who, right established it and it and it kind of replaced between about 1910 and 1930 it replaced the classical christian system in the united states um which which had been in place in various forms it's a very old system so it's hard to put a you know an exact um a date on it but it'd been in place for you know over, well over a thousand years hmm. well now what and and so a it's, thousand it's, years <laughs> that is kind of classical <laughs> no, no, David. What? Yeah, so you'd think it'd be old, dusty, and out of date, but in fact, it, it's still uh, it, it's enjoying quite a resurgence Just as uh, we continue to uh, show that it's, you know a lot has changed in the last few thousand years, but people haven't, and that's what we're about: is educating kids. So, yeah, um, right. it works pretty well. Now, David, why why is um, I mean? classical education why is it so important in our time well uh, let me actually step back even further and a lot of people don't know this but classical christian education was kind of what our nation was originally our education system was originally modeled off of based off of a thousand years well yeah yeah, a thousand years (laughs) i mean that would include the founding of america founding but you think of um he went to public school though so (laughs) no i didn't no i didn't no i didn't um uh you know like like harvard um uh in the in the tradition of the liberal arts, Princeton, all these all these higher ed programs, you had to know Latin. You had to be able to speak Latin before you could get accepted into Harvard. Yeah, um, and that was back in you know 1600s. Um, so our nation was kind of founded off it. But why is it important for us to to maybe get back to Christian classical education? Well, it it had very different purposes, and those purposes are in dire need today. Uh, We see the cultivation of virtue, which was the primary function from the time of the Greeks forward with that, and as the Christians picked it up and Christianized uh, what was just classical education under the Greeks and the Romans, um, its objective was really its big uh, distinctive in that it was uh, there to cultivate virtue in students uh, through something called paideia, which is referenced in Ephesians 6 in the Bible, uh, you know, fathers raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Right. That that clause of fear and admonition is really paideia. That's what the ancient Greek concept was, and it was this idea that young children mm-hmm. could be shaped to love certain things and um, have a distaste for other things. They could uh, be cultivated towards virtue, and they could develop excellent um, leadership skills, and that's that was what the system was designed around. So it seems like um, you know one of our current, I guess, education, philo- modern education philosophies is that education is more a, a data transfer. It's more um, just transferring data from. I mean, that's why online education is no one, no one has a problem, or no one sees online education as a big pitfall. I think online education can be done well, but largely we're seeing education as kind of a data transfer. It's not about um, nurturing virtue. It's not about cultivating, you know, good truth beauty in in education and we're seeing that in our um uh in our public school education system you're seeing that in the in the shootings that are going on you're seeing that in the um mass um well anxiety you know, depression all yeah, these all yeah. these personality disorders everybody right. being medicated right yeah you're just seeing this kind of um this data transfer with a lack of virtue in this and the kids are growing up in despair yes well that's it you know i think it was c.s lewis who said that if this form of practical education or pragmatic education that public schools uh promote 
uh, it replaces classical education that civilization will die. And I think that's some of what we're seeing is that as you shrink the purpose of education down to just information transfer, kids, uh, you know, God made them in the Imago Dei. They're made in the image of God. They're made to fear God. They're made to love God. Mm. And we worry a lot, I think, as Christians. We see some of the superficial stuff, and I don't mean to say that things like evolution are superficial, but what we fail to see is that, um, you know, when they're teaching things like evolution, that's not the greatest damage that they can do. They can damage the souls of these kids by telling them they're nothing mm. more than information repositories. Right. And if we don't get them... Uh, or biodegradable mass. Called... Yeah. Right. yeah, exactly. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, of course, the evolutionary teaching is bad. The the the, the big picture is also bad, that, that, that these kids live for nothing more than the vocation that they have in life, which is, of course, a tragedy. So John John Dewey, um, you, you mentioned him earlier, he he saw education in a way that, that, that I think Christians have lost the vision of what education should be in our kids. I think Christians have a very short-sighted um, uh, vision of what education should look like, primarily when it comes to discipleship. John Dewey said that um, education is the fundamental method of social progress and reform. And and yes. and Christians have bought into this modern uh, view that that education is no more than um, it. It can be neutral. It's, yeah. it's oh, absolutely right. It's it's no more than just kind of this data transfer. They can go to the public school teacher and get get a public school math class, and it be no different than a Christian math and, and class. That it, and, and that it won't shape them in significant ways. Right. Um, John Dewey understood right. the potency of education better than a lot of Christians yeah, do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and the system that he set up has actually been far more successful. Mm. And so yes. we, we're here yes. because you know John Dewey understood the power of education. Mm-hmm. Um. But um, talk, can you talk a little bit more about um, John Dewey's goals in in the in the changes that he made in the American education system? Well, yeah, I mean that that's what people don't realize. Um, John Dewey wrote several books on education. He's considered the father of modern American education. Um, and interestingly, he was a progressive. So if you look at the other groups that he was associated with, there were three primary groups that he ran with. One were the progressives who were looking to establish sort of a new world order. And their vision of it was um, a new world order without Christ uh, as, oh. as central to it. Um, what could go wrong? He was, <laughs> yeah. I know that that's always a winning equation. Um, and then he was a pragmatist. So he founded one of the pragmatist organizations and pragmatics is just a school of philosophy that says the only thing we can know uh, about virtue is that what works is good. It's almost an ends justify the means form of, yeah. of uh, ethics. And that, mm-hmm. that was another attribute of John Dewey. And so he was a pragmatist. Um, he was also a humanist in the worst sense of the terms. Uh, uh, the medieval humanists, of course, were people who believed that God made us for a purpose and we should uh, we should work to fulfill that. In in a in a John Dewey's sense, a humanist, he was more in the Charles Potter kind of camp that believed that uh, humanism humans could pick themselves up by their bootstraps and pull us uh, towards something greater and better without the help of God or anyone else. And so I think that, um, you know, when you put all of the pieces together in John Dewey's philosophy, it's pretty evident that uh, the father of modern American education was pretty successful at doing what he, he set out to do, which was remove Christ, uh, set up a pragmatic form of education that lowered everyone to basically servants in, in a system of vocational education. And that's why uh, we have what we have today. So, David, help me out with something, because I think right now a lot of people are hearing this and they're saying, you know, that's horrible. Like, that's why my kids do not go to a public school. My kids go to a Christian school. And, but yet right now you're, you're president of the classical Christian education, uh, uh, classical, I'm sorry. Association. Yeah, association yeah. of classical Christian schools, right? Yeah. So what's the difference between a classical Christian school and a public school? They, they both are outside of that Dewey circle, right? I mean, you mean a regular Christian uh, a regular, school. I'm sorry, a regular Christian school. Yeah, yeah. you're talking about Christian schools. Yeah. Well, if you look at the, you know, oftentimes you can find the best truth by just going back in history and, and kind of following the trails and, and seeing where they lead. So John, at the time John Dewey was writing in the early part of the 20th century, um, there weren't a lot of Christian schools. There were a lot of Catholic schools, 
But there weren't so many Protestant Christian schools because the American public school system had historically been very Protestant and friendly towards Christ. When he converted it away from that, uh, that left very little uh, remaining of the classical Christian heritage that had been there. Now, in the mid part of the 20th century, Christian schools were reestablished as the public schools got uh, more and more hostile towards Christianity. Christians got out and formed schools. But by that time, the only model that they had to look at was sort of the assumed Deweyan model, which, Mm. you know, had the bells and the seven classes a day, and you go from class to class, and you're there for 55 minutes, and you go through the the motions, and at the end of the day, you know some math, science, uh, history, whatever, you know, social studies, even the term social studies sometimes makes it its way into Christian schools. And that's really a humanist concept. Uh, the historical liberal mm. arts uh, were replaced by social studies in the 50s. And so the reason mo- many American Christian schools also are doing is because they were patterned, the pattern that they were cut out of was what was uh, the current pattern at the time that most Christian schools started, which was in the mid 20th century. Yeah, but I got Jesus in it, so it fixes all of that, right? You know, they're, they're not. Well, you can, that, that's the that's the problem is they append Jesus a lot of times. Mm. And now, obviously, I don't want to malign all Christian schools. There's sure. a lot of great ones out there, but the danger of them is that they teach math, they teach science, they teach uh, history, they teach literature, and they do each of these things in the way that it's prescribed in the Deweyan form, and then they add a Bible class. And when right. you do it that right. way, it extracts Christ from from um, relevance. Uh, and we want it, we hear a lot about the relevance of Christianity today as we strive to make it relevant, but it's no wonder that it seems to many people that Christianity isn't relevant anymore because our schools treat it as though it's a separate thing that Christ doesn't necessarily have much to do with math or science or history or literature or spelling or, or any other subject. When in reality you, you have to uh, make the creator and Lord of the universe, the creator and Lord of each of these subjects, if you're going to understand them. So what does that look like then practically for a classical Christian school, if one of our listeners goes into an ACCS school and they go to a grammar, you know, grammar class, they go to a, a history class, they go to a literature class, they go to a biology class, um, what would they expect to find there that would be distinctive and different about even um, a more main, mainstream Christian school? Right. Well, that's a great question because to some extent, classical Christian schools today are somewhat constrained by the same sorts of of frameworks like seven hour days and bells and 55 minute period. Some of that is just dictated. I mean, you can't go to college with a transcript that has uh, no classes on it. Right. So, but, but in general, our classical Christian schools attempt to uh, overcome many of the shortcomings uh, with things like integration. So many of our history, literature, philosophy, theology, and art classes are integrated and you see it all uh, wrapped together and the questions we ask tend to be more around the should instead of the who, what, when, where, and why. And that drives, when you think about it, that drives uh, classical education and the students towards a question of ethics in, in all things. So if you're studying history and you're looking at what happened in the Hundred Years' War, there's also a question, you know, not just of what happened and who did it and how did it happen and what, what were the dates, but there's a question of what was it should, good? Yeah. Uh, should it have right. been done? Mm-hmm. Um, should this have happened this way? Mm. And and the, the only place you can go for should answers is Scripture. Mm. Um, mm. There's only one, you know, God gave us one book for, for the should questions. Mm-hmm. And because that book is outlawed in most schools um, <laughs> or separated, yeah. Uh, yeah. it makes the should question never worth asking. Because yeah. if you don't have the Bible, there's no point in asking the question because nobody can answer it. So that's one of the big differences in classical Christian schools is we ask, should it have been this way? Should it have been done this way? Is this the best way of doing it? And then obviously Uh, the the follow on question to that, of course, is also then, you know, what should we do about it and how should we learn? You know, what are the lessons that we should apply to our day? And then the follow up question is why I, I shouldn't do math. 
<laughs> Sorry, I distracted uh, you, David. Unfortunately, yeah one one of the uh, one of the attributes of classical Christian education, you know, I I kind of jumped into the virtue side, but of course, there's the fundamental stuff like the trivium, you know, the, the right. grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and logic. These are phases that that kids go through, and so grammar phase is kind of what we think of as grammar school for younger kids, and then there's middle school with. Uh, with the logic phase in the upper school and rhetoric. Uh, but <laughs> it makes me laugh because, yeah, a lot of kids at our schools will argue about things because, you know, logic is a central uh, <laughs> thing that we teach. Right, right. And um, I remember going to college. I, I went through public school. I went to public college. And I remember seeing a logic class. And um, I took it just out of curiosity. What in the world could this be? I didn't know it was a formal discipline because our uh, schools don't teach it anymore. Right. Um, and I soon found out not only, you know, I didn't think there could be uh, too too many difficult courses in, you know, in, in the, the philosophy department. I mean, it's all your personal yeah. opinion, right? right? At least that's what I thought because I was a public educated kid. <laughs> right. And then I got into this class where there's actually rules that you have to follow. And it's more like math than it is like uh, philosophy, <laughs> or at least that's what I thought at the time. You, you, so, I mean, a lot of our schools teach a lot of logic and then that, that gets you in trouble because then the kids know how to argue well. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's, here's my like two second pitch, not even two seconds, 15 seconds on why I think Christian classical education is so important to our current circumstances is we're we've raised a, a generation of kids our public school system has and even current Sever, Christians, several several generations it, it, several generations of, of kids who who can't think who can't articulate arguments can't who reason. can't who can't restate the other arguments the other side well can't respond to it and then and then on top of all this they're just highly emotional yeah. And that's why. What do you mean by that? By that, yeah, I've, I think I said this before. What do you mean by that? Guy? That's why people oh. Ben you Shapiro know, Gabe, shows up Gabe, on UC I, Berkeley, and the kids are throwing rocks at the windows instead of actually trying to engage with Ben Shapiro. You just hurt my feelings. Yep. <laughs> Can I finish the story? You know, Gabe, go ahead, David. <laughs> go ahead, David. What I would say is you're getting old. You're, you're sounding like I sound. You, I, I think these kids, these you know, kids I, that was days. our generation. I think there was a generation that came through that you know couldn't think. I think today's generation is more described by the the phrase they don't really think it's necessary. They don't seek to. Wow. And the reason is because personal truth is valid regardless Man. of That's any good, external system. Right. Yeah. So because personal truth is valid, there's no point in arguing anything right. because you can't come to any sense of truth. So w we are at the latter stages of returning to what the Greeks would have called barbarians, yeah. uh, people who uh, live in an indoctrinated society because they don't have the freedom to think independently um, not because they don't, you know, there, there was a generation who was bad at it, and that would be my generation, right? We came up through schools that didn't teach us how to think well. Uh, but now I think the new generation just says, I don't really think it's important. Right. Mm. And this is what happens when we eject Jesus out of the center mm -hmm. of, right. of education. Well, uh, David, it's been really great uh, having you on Cross Politic. Uh, David Goodwin, the president of ACCS, you can check it out at ACCSEDU. I think it's also classicalchristian.org. Uh, um, check out Recovering Lost Tools of Learning by yes. Douglas Wilson. Yep. Uh, Recovering the Ruins, uh, a case for classical and Christian education. Get your kids out of them public schools. Get them out of the public schools. <laughs> Get them in an ACCS school. Thanks, David, for being on Cross Politic. More Cross Politic when we come back. Logos Online School is your affordable partner in classical Christian homeschooling. Offering live teacher-led instruction four days a week to students in grades 7 through 12. Our experienced, enthusiastic teachers provide instruction in math, science, literature, history, languages, Bible, apologetics, rhetoric, government, and economics. Find out why more and more Christian homeschoolers are turning to Logos Online School for the education of their children. Go to LogosOnlineSchool.com today. This is Cy Timbrunke with Answer Anyone Apologetics. People often ask for a methodology for defending their faith. So I've come up with what I like to call the two-move checkmate. Step one. No matter what objection they give that contradicts the Bible, tell them this. That's not what the Bible says. I don't believe Noah's Ark was real. That's not what the Bible says. I don't believe that Jonah was in a big fish for three days. That's not what the Bible says. I don't believe that Jesus ever walked the earth. 
That's not what the Bible says. No matter their objection, that's not what the Bible says. What are they going to say? I don't believe your Bible. That dusty old book written by Bronze Age goat herders? Of course, to that an appropriate response would be, so what? Instead, I give them step two. You don't believe my Bible? So you don't believe that it's true. Well, obviously you believe in truth. So let me ask you this. Where do you get truth without God? Then you dismantle the absurdity of their response. Step one. That's not what the Bible says. Step two. Where do you get truth without God? For more apologetic answers, visit www.proofthatgodexists.org. Since this show isn't uh, being video recorded, <laughs> you can roll up your sleeves. We, we could, you know, could wear we can wear anything. Bro, I'm wearing a t-shirt right now. Yeah, I know. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Chilling. Y'all should know that I got sent home today because I wasn't wearing dress code for for NRB TV. That's it. <laughs> for, for our TV show that we got to record. Like, yeah. Hey, here's your pastor in a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> not not good. Great. Not good. Because I got in trouble Great. for wearing a plaid shirt. <laughs> Next, just, we should okay. just we should just have a robe in the studio for when, for when Toby just shows up all wrong. Put on the robe. <laughs> Seriously, no, yeah, just that, we do so, need that. So, welcome back to Cross Politic, y'all. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, happy Easter. Yeah, we haven't Amen. said that yet. We, yeah, we did. We did. I did. Did you? I did. You, I wasn't listening are you to you. Awake? <laughs> Away. I wasn't listening to Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Amen. He is risen you indeed. Did say that part. indeed. Yes, Hopefully did. you um you've been eating chocolate. Yes. And um and and ham and ham and just and just um partying down. You know, and Man. congratulations to those churches that, you know, do communion like every quarter. I know you guys got communion today. <laughs> I, I, I know that you usually don't, so congratulations yeah. to y'all who finally been able to... Welcome was, to the table. <laughs> it was, welcome, welcome back to Christianity. Uh, it was probably welcome. a little cracker and some great juice, <laughs> but hey, great. you know what? Sometimes it's better than nothing. So I went to, when I was God. when I was younger, my dad took us to, we were just visiting, um, and he took us to, I think it was Episcopalian, it might have been Anglican, I, can't, I get them mixed up sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, we went forward to take communion. Presbyterians, sure. you sit in your seats. Oh, yeah. Presbyterians don't get up. Right. Not for communion, nothing. But for... <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, but noticed we went that. forward, and, and we all drank from the communal wine cup. Oh, no. Which is... Uh, oh, no. Man, no. Uh-uh. And and then we... The, the communion was a like a styrofoam wafer. Oh, yeah. I know. It was, just, And I was like, I'm right. supposed to swallow that? Right. And I'm this 10-year-old kid, it, and I'm like... That, yeah, it's is, like you got to take your is pill. There any, like, cheese, take your pill. Is there any, like, cheese whiz I can put on this? <laughs> okay, quick story. I, as we're talking about communion, a friend of mine who uh, was traveling from Georgia, went to Minneapolis, and went to a brotherhood church, I think it was, where they have close communion. Okay. And he's like, it was really interesting to observe. And I was like, okay, what happened afterwards? He's like, well, we all got together and ate food. I was like, were you able to eat then? And he just started busting up laughing because he got it, right? He's like, so we actually have communion with Christians right. <laughs> and eat. Yeah, we have fellowship. We have fellowship. We eat the Lord's Supper. And then after we get done, but you can't eat it during that time. Right, right? Right, you can't right. eat during that time. But after we get done, yeah, you can have a plate of food with us right. and sit down. It's like, really, right. guys? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why yeah. would you do that? And, and, and the thing is, is, of course, we have these massive extremes because at the other end of the spectrum if you got, is you got people who do not fence the table at all. Right. right. They don't right. practice church discipline. I mean, you could bring your well, they dog. It, it's to, you could bring buff- your dog. It's just a buffet. You could bring, you know, you could bring any, yeah. you know, dog. Y'all see me lose my mind if I ever see a dog come up for communion. Oh, my gracious. You don't see me turn. Oh, my. Ooh. But, but here, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is you're, you're right, though. I mean, if it's a Christian meal, then then Christians should come. Exactly. And I think there's easy, simple ways of just saying this is a table for Christians. And if you're a Christian, you're baptized, you love the Lord Jesus. Welcome. Then you're welcome. Yep. And and if you know if there's serious sin in your life and you've not been walking with God, you need to talk to an elder first. Yeah, and and yeah. so on. But but this is this is God's table. He's the Lord of the table. He's the head of the table. And you need to be careful. Right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't be trifling with with God's table. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't blaspheme God's table. But if you love Jesus, come on. Um. They but got- this is also this is also why we need a biblical worldview, a biblical ecclesiology. Yes. And, and, a, and a big view of what God's doing in the worship service. Oh, yeah. You know, we believe worship is central. We believe it's the, it's the most important thing that we do um, in, in, in the week, and everything flows out from that worship. Everything flows out from Sunday. 
And if we don't have a, a, a view of even even all the way down to what church discipline looks like, to what community looks like, what membership looks like, what right. the covenant, we've talked a lot about this, but what the covenant looks like, right. yeah. then when we go to the Lord's Supper, it means so much more. You know, yeah. God, God's doing so much more knitting right. us together. I, um, uh, I kind of related to David's story. It, you know, how do we think about um, communion when we don't let our own kids come to the communion table? Oh, see, here you right? go. You know, just starting fights. I, I invite kids to my table. My kids can eat at my table, and then all of a sudden they can't eat at the Lord's table. Right? How much more merciful? How much more just? How much more right. good is God than I am? Right. And yet we're sitting here saying, "Hey, oh, hey kids, devil's hey, advocate, kids. devil's right. advocate." Can no, I, yes, can I no, no. Yeah. I'll go for it. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are hearing this and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, dude, my kids aren't even repentant. They don't believe the gospel. They haven't made a profession of faith." And so they can't observe. Some of them might not even be baptized. Well, oh. if, they can, if they haven't made a profession, they definitely ain't baptized. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? So why would I then um, have them make, they can't observe the body that they're not even a part of. Just keep being consistent and don't teach them to pray either. Yeah, well, right. uh oh, yeah. So you better get a shotgun on that so, one. <laughs> so let's just walk it up. My kids, I don't allow right. them to pray. So David, but do, do you uh, teach them to confess their sins? No, because they're not Christians. Okay. Well, then, it, seriously, if that's what they're doing, then they shouldn't come to the table because yeah. they're not Christians. Right. But the, the the question we're asking is, is our children capable of being Christians? Uh, No, not until they make a profession. But Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Yeah, that's no problem. They can come to the church. They come to church. Yeah. They come hang out with Jesus us. says, unless you become like a little child, yes, you cannot come into the kingdom. Sure, but he's given an example of somebody who is making a conscious decision and how they should act no. like a little child in the attitude of the little child. But they're not saying that little children are therefore then allowed to come to the table. Uh, yeah, yes. There is no mention of communion <laughs> in that. <laughs> I like that. David's pretty good at playing the devil's advocate, man. That's good. Almost like he <laughs> used to hold this position. <laughs> no, actually, I never. No. No, as a charismatic, charismatic is what I love about them is that they don't have this position. Right. They actually feel like the Holy Spirit can move on anybody right. and it can happen. But I think that a lot of people are having a hard time working through how do my kids, and I have a buddy who's working with this, who his child is showing signs of believing in Jesus, right. truly believing in Jesus. They And I always ask if you ask your child, hey, do you love mommy? And your child says, oh, I do love mommy. And then you ask your child if, and you believe them, yeah. right? You believe right. that they love mommy. You don't, you don't say, you don't yeah. squinty eye no, up and no, you're no. like, do you really love mom? But then, yeah. I don't know if you really love mom. <laughs> Why don't you sit there and think yeah. about it for a while? Yeah. And then if it's the same way, if you ask them, hey, do you love Jesus? Right. Um, and they say, oh, I love Jesus. Right. And then you're like, prove it. Right. All of a sudden, there's a different form of approaching your child versus the mother right. versus Jesus. You know? So, so the, the issue here is goes back to actually what David Goodwin was saying, that word paideia. Mm. So paideia, it, fathers in Ephesians 6 are required to bring their children up in the paideia of the Lord. The word paideia means culture. Mm -hmm. It means culture. Yeah. Okay. And so um, the, the- Where are they at? Are they in the paideia? Bring them up the, in the, the paideia? Br bring them up in it. In it. In, in it. it. Oh, okay. That's really That's good. Them, yeah. uh, but what is a culture made up of? A culture is made up of tons of things. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, what is, you know, what is your family culture like? What is your, you know, uh, ethnic culture like? What is your national culture like? What's, well, you know, it's everything from the food you eat on certain days, the clothes you wear, yeah. you know, the way you talk to your wife and your kids, the songs you sing, you know, the, what you decorate with. I mean, it's like, yeah. that's everything, the culture, but you're supposed to bring them up in the culture of the Lord. Right. Bring your children up. In, so everything, full orbed culture. Think of Deuteronomy 6, right? You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. And then you're supposed to talk about these commands when? In the morning. Every, yeah. Everywhere. Lunch, all every over time. the place. Everything all, you, you know, do. When you in get up, when you, you, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, um, you're supposed to put them um, on your doorposts. Right. You know, put, them on, put them on the refrigerator. Put them everywhere and talk about them all the time because that's how you bring your kids up in the culture of the Lord. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so I think... If you're doing that, if you're doing that, yeah. then you're you're bringing them up as Christians. Mm. Uh, you know how how does how does a Shannon kid how does a Shannon kid know that they're really part of the Shannon family? 
But when they turn 12, I give them a badge that says, welcome to the Shannons. <laughs> You've yeah. proved it. you proved they, yourself. They've, they've actually you proved, proved it. You're black that, but, and you're 12 well, now. Well, they don't turn black until six. <laughs> six is when they can recognize that they're black. Right. And then after that. If, if they say they're black before that, you say, whoa. No. Slow you you slow it. Slow we it. don't know yet. They might start speaking Spanish at some point. Yeah. I'd be so confused. Like, hold on. So, Como esta, papa? <laughs> yeah, man. Padre. Yeah, man. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do it. You did that. Uh, you did. brought that on yourself. Uh, Absolutely. You don't do that. No. No. You bring them up and you say, this is this is how we do things. Yeah. You teach them to pray. You teach them to confess their sins. Yeah. And I think I think um, my Baptist friends would say, absolutely, I'm already doing that. But that I'm hoping that that produces a fruit, a sign that there's yeah. fruit growing inside of them before I say you are part of something that you're really not a part of. Right? Right. But I think the question is, again, so... There's two things here. One is, so the covenant, though, is that culture. Mm. So that's one of the things where I think sometimes the Baptists are Baptists. Ba- I can't say the word. Baptist brothers. What's happened to me? We're turning into gays. I told you. I'm speaking in tongues. I thought the new table was going to fix everything. The Baptist brothers, I think, sometimes equate baptism with salvation. Yeah. And that's part of the problem here is that baptism is actually the sign of the covenant. And so it's a sign of that culture. And it is a sign um, of salvation as individuals embrace Jesus for themselves. So they believe in Jesus for themselves. And, um, and that sometimes happens before baptism and sometimes happens um, after baptism. Where do you, where do you get those, those lines at from Scripture? Because from Scripture, the New Testament, all you see is usually uh, confession of faith, baptism. Confession of faith, baptism. You don't see baptism and then confession of faith. Um, actually, well, you, you see a couple different things. One is... Um, is you see um, Peter telling um, people at Pentecost when they say, what shall we do? He preaches and they're, they're cut to the heart and say, what shall we do? And he says, repent, believe, be baptized for the promises to you and to your children. Yeah. And as many as the Lord our God will call. Well, that, that language of the promises to you and to your children is the language of the covenant that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will be your God and I will be the God of your children after you. Right. And the sign of the old covenant was circumcision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to be your God and I'm going to be God of your children afterwards. And so he said, so all of you get the sign of the covenant. Yeah. Um, now, if Peter didn't mean that when he said that at Pentecost, preaching to a bunch of Jews mm-hmm. who know the Abrahamic covenant, Peter needed to stop right then and there and say, whoa, 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 whoa. But, but I don't mean that. Right. <laughs> I, right. I, I don't mean the Abrahamic covenant. It's not quite like that anymore, guys. It's a right. whole new set. When I said the promises to you and your children, I mean that, well, your kids might one day repent and believe and then they can be baptized. Right. But Peter doesn't say that. Um, secondly, I think later on we see this, um, this theme of, um, I mean, in, with, with Cornelius, he's actually, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit first. And then Peter says, well, I guess I got to baptize them. Right. right. So that, so there's a distinction there at least made though, though they, they point to one another. Um, I would also point to Lydia and her household, the Philippian jailer and her, yeah. his household, um, they they believe they're baptized and their households believe and are baptized with them. Well, yeah, that's what actually the text. Uh, I always hear this. The text says that they believe. So if some sort of consciousness was made about the whole group of the household, so you just assume that there were children in there in that process or people yeah. who were um, servants, uh, servant. Yeah. So you assume that, but it actually says that all of them believed and then they were baptized. So whoever was in the household, whatever it was made up of, was a believing people. Well, I think there's a, again, God works with us through households. And so the idea is, is that I think, um, I, I think if there was like a, you know, teenage boy that was like, no, dad, I ain't doing it. Right. Then I don't think Paul would have baptized him. But I think, but the way faith works is that frequently we work, it, 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 it works us out its way out in families. Yeah. Um, and so when, when Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord to the extent that his family was with him. And we all believe that, right? That's why we take our kids to church. Presbyterian, Baptist, doesn't right. matter. We all believe in some right. way there is a federal representation because right. we our kids are not allowed not to come with us, right? We, right. we make that understanding. So uh, I'd, I'd also add, though, that in the Old Testament, when that language is, you know, you in your household. Yeah, yeah, Old Testament, it, though. Old it, Testament. It, it, that doesn't matter anymore. We're it in means, new covenant. But, but again. <laughs> but it was for our it, example. Yeah, for our example. Ten. Right. And, and um, when Abraham's household was circumcised, him and all his household was circumcised, that was all the infants along with him. Too. So it, and that was a that, whole bunch of unbelieving people too, right? And that was that was servants, that was slaves, that was everybody. All three hundred and eighteen men in this camp. Right. Well, you guys, um, what you don't understand, see, but here's that was the problem with the Old Testament. 
But see, but Colossians. Because you had a whole bunch of unbelieving people a part of the covenant, which the New Testament doesn't have that. But this is where Colossians comes in and equates the Old Testament sign of circumcision with the New Testament sign of baptism. It says you were were circumcised in the death of Christ and you were buried in baptism. And so it's, it's very clearly saying, hey, the Old Testament sign of circumcision and the New Testament sign of baptism are the same in Jesus. And that's why we move forward baptizing. That's why we make the connection between circumcision and baptism is in Colossians 2. 10 and 11. Right. David. David. <laughs> I would still go back to my point too, is I think sometimes we have a, we have a grown up standard of faith mm. that, that, that the Bible says is wrong. That doesn't mean that our faith shouldn't. You're just getting ready for your revival conference revival. Aren't <laughs> you? Go ahead. That doesn't mean that our faith shouldn't grow up. It shouldn't mature. Right. But Jesus says that the standard for faith, Christian faith is childish. Mm. It's childlike. He says you you need unless you unless you receive the kingdom like a little child. Yeah. Uh, um. And and he says and then in that in, in one of the passages he says um he, he gives a warning about causing little ones to stumble and he says if it, it I mean it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown right. into the sea but it says if you cause one of these little ones and the word there is infant huh. who, who believe in me yeah if you cause one of these infants who believe in me to stumble uh, so Jesus assumes that little children little babies are capable of faith, mm. of Christian faith. Yeah. Now you just got in a whole bunch of trouble. And, and Lord, he, have and, mercy. And he made, well, thank you for listening to Cross Politics. <laughs> it was nice while we had you. <laughs> and he says, though, that, that that's the standard for Christian faith. And, and this, again, goes back to Ephesians 6. Right. Um, we bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Bible everywhere assumes that children ordinarily, um, they learn to believe um, in, in the culture they're brought up in. Right. right, right, and so we're either teaching them a we're either raising them in a believing culture, yeah, where we you know we when, when from before they can understand lang- I mean, think about anything else you do with the culture around you. Do you say, well, when you're six, I'll teach you to talk. Mm. When you're seven, I'll teach you to walk. Yeah. When you're eight, I'll teach you to sing. No, no. We do all those things from the get go. We start singing to them and talking to them, making faces. We at start them discipling. And, and we from start jump. discipling them from the get go. Yeah. Um, and in in just basic human. Yeah. Skills. And how do we make a disciple? By teaching them and baptizing them. Well, we do that too. That's teaching right. them to obey everything That's right. Right? right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so, but you know, we're discipling them, and you're absolutely yeah. right. So why do we not give them a sign of discipleship? Right. But the Bible assumes that that we are training them in some culture. The yeah. question is, what culture are you training them in? Yeah. And if you're and if you're training them in the in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then Absolutely. You, you welcome them to your table. Why do you not welcome them to the Lord's table? So, um, so question. Um, we, we, we throw around, you know, you need to have childlike faith. There's obviously the other side of it where, okay, there's certain child things that we need to leave. We need to mature and we need right. to grow. In. So how would, how would you define kind of childlike faith in the context of um, of maturity? Kind of, yeah, yeah, maturity. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and there's, there's several you know passages that are really, you know, Hebrews hits hard. You know, you, um, you, you're, 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 childish. you're drinking milk, you're still drinking milk and yep. you should be, you should be eating meat Chewing by steak. now. Yep. Um, but this is something, you know, discernment and wisdom comes through exercising your senses to know good and evil and so on. Mm. So absolutely. The point isn't that you stay childish or in the sense that you stay simplistic. Yep. Right. But I do think there is a childlike faith that is the ground of all maturity. Mm. Right. And that childlike faith is, um, a simple, um, loyalty to God and Jesus, it's a, it's an unreserved faith. It's just it's, it's just yeah, just it's, just, it's, full, it's simple. I'm giving all my belief yeah. to God, right? And and of course, without question, right? And, and of course, if you say you have that, but then you don't grow in wisdom and stature, uh, there's something wrong with that. You're stunted. You know, yeah. it, it's it's not actually it's not actually growing. So so bring this in for a landing for me. Yes. Why is this so important? Because I, I think a lot of people hear us just talking about this yeah. and they think like, oh, you're just trying to get me baptized my kids. Right. And, and I'm not I'm not into that. I like you guys, but I'm not going to baptize my right. kids. And so I, I don't think that they see there's any other implications. Right. They say, I don't want to create a false convert. Right. So but why? Why is it that we harp on it? Why is it important ultimately right. for, for people? Mm. Because because of John Dewey. I was. Amen. <laughs> OK, because we just, just talked about this. Okay, John Dewey understood the way the world works better than most Christians. That's right. John Dewey understood that if you train up a bunch of children, they will go that way. Exactly. You, you, you train them up in the way they should go, right? He had a discipleship program, He understood. Right? And so beginning in the early part of the 20th century, he said, I know how to change the course of history. Mm. I, will, I will revamp the American education system. Yeah. And what has he done? He's done it. He's absolutely done it. 
We have gay pride parades in our streets. That's we right. have broken families. We, we have, have abortion. gay marriage. We have abortion on demand. <laughs> we have gay marriage. Yeah. We have um, we have absolute cultural insanity. Mm. Okay, because John Dewey understood that if you train up a child in the way that he should, you know, he's the seed disciple in our kids better than we do, are. Right? Yeah. and so, they're part of his covenant. Right? Right, right. So, so he believes in covenant succession. Yeah, absolutely. He, yeah. he believes in the efficacy of training kids up mm. in a in a full orbed culture. That's right. The culture that he's inculcating is a god hating culture. Yeah, you know, as, as uh, David Goodwin said, it's a culture of all these things without Christ. Yeah, I will remove Christ from it. Well, he succeeded. Do you want the proof of covenant theology? Yeah. yeah. It's all around you. That's right. Why are we in such cultural shambles? Because John Dewey believed in it. And John Dewey said, um, and related, to this, related to this quote, John Dewey said, democracy has to be born anew every generation and education is its midwife. That's right. Mm. And, and John Dewey's vision was to get rid of the church and get rid of families. And, uh, and he yep. saw the state as the savior. That's yeah. right. The state is the savior. The state will save us yeah. from um, the backwards patriarchy yeah. of of uh, of church and family. Yeah. And um and he got it. And so Christians need to recognize that it's not a question of whether you will train your kids up in a culture or not. It's a question of which one. You know, can I just add something to Amen. that? When you said yes. that of the state as a savior, I want to talk to the kids that are walking out. Guys, when you go walking out, what day is that again? When you do the, uh, April eleventh. April. When you go walking out. Don't make your prayers go to the state. They're not the ones who are going to be able to change this. Yeah. Make sure you stand on the platform and say, God has spoken. You shall not commit murder. That's and right. we need to repent and obey God's command. Let's not make this march out about crying to the state so that they can end abortion. They need to, but we need to call them to do it because Jesus has Amen. said so. That's right. And that's who the headmaster is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said master. I did. <laughs> Always comes back to slavery. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh. And feast. This is Cross Politics. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. He's he risen. risen. He's risen indeed. And baptize your babies. <laughs>